0: Well, it's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, i was supposed to uh, be in D.C. around this time, but God's providence is always at hand. And so I'll be here at least through the summer. I'll find out in August what's going on as far as my future naval chaplaincy career. So um, I'm up for a promotion and promotion results will be released in August. And so uh, that will say a lot whether I stay in or get out of the Navy so, or retire. So anyway, those are the two options. And so God is in control, and we'll leave it in his hands. So anyway, it's always a great pleasure to be here. And we will look at uh, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. That will be our sermon text this morning. And I'll be reading from the New King James. All right. Well, let us look at the Word of God. Luke 7, beginning at verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, as she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to him saying, spoke to himself, saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owed 50, excuse me, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. May the Lord have a blessing to his holy word. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we pray now, Lord, that your spirit would be sent upon us as we look at your word, that you would give us clarity of thought. Uh, You would give us an active mind to hear your word, that you would give us a heart to receive it. Lord, that you would remove all the distracting thoughts, the evil ones always seeking to distract us from your word. And Lord, we pray that your word would go deep into our hearts. If there's one here who does not know you, may use these words to save their souls And for us, who do know you, Lord, that we pray that you will continue to sanctify us and give us that gratitude of heart and spirit on what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is uh, Memorial Day weekend, and Memorial Day is always uh, a time to rest and relax. Fortunately, the weather's been very cloudy in San Diego. supposed to be sunny San Diego, but it's been... I guess they call it the June gloom. I guess that's what it's called. It's been very gloomy, very cloudy, and a little chilly as well. Uh, I saw in the news that uh, they're expecting record amount of people who will be flying and and who will be uh, driving to different places. So Memorial Day is, is, is a, a nice holiday. Really, it's the sort of the, the beginning of summer. Um, we have in the military, we have this thing called 101 Days of Summer, where as uh, Memorial Day really kicks off summer. I know June really is uh, officially like mid to late June is when summer starts. But Memorial Day kicks off summer. And the reason why we have that is because that's when a lot of accidents and, and boating accidents, and, and, automobile accidents and, and automobile accidents and things happen times more in the summer. So it's just a reminder and a warning to be careful. Well, Memorial Day also is a time to remember. I know we celebrate Veterans Day. Uh, maybe some of you are veterans, and you know, you, you can go and get some discounts uh, on that day, uh, free coffee or free donut or whatever. A lot of people say thank you for your service. Uh, thank you for serving, whether you're retired or whether you're active duty or reservist. You know, you, you think, well, but, but Memorial Day is a little different. Memorial Day is uh, really gives thankfulness and gratitude to those who have given their lives for the freedoms that we enjoy in our country and so it is a time to remember I saw on the news that there'll be several ceremonies this weekend and even tomorrow uh and uh, laying uh, wreaths at uh, cemeteries and putting flags there as you as we remember what happened about all those people who have given their lives in defense and and the freedom of our country and the, all the wars that have taken place, and all the engagements and conflicts. Well, you might say, what does that have to do with the uh, this account here in Luke chapter 7? Well, uh, it's really the idea of gratitude, you know, just as uh, many people are, are just thankful for those who have served. So uh, this passage this morning is a passage really about gratitude, about thankfulness, about what God has done for us uh the setting of the story as i just read uh the pharisee invited jesus for a meal in into his house uh it's um it's interesting obviously he had some respect for jesus maybe he was curious not all the pharisees hated jesus but uh he was a pharisee that invited jesus for a meal and back then you would not sit at a table you would recline uh, on the couch uh I think you would lay on your left hand, on your left side, and seems uncomfortable to me, but that was the custom of the day, and you would, you know, you would eat your food reclining, and your feet would be out towards the, uh, out, you know, towards the wall as you lay there, and, and people could see you, and people were outside, and so they were eating and enjoying a meal, and this woman comes, and she comes, and she starts to do things that seem pretty odd, and Sort of weird if you think about it. She starts to, um, you know, she takes this alabaster flask of fragrant oil and and starts to kiss Jesus' feet and she's weeping on his feet and washing the uh, her tears and wipes them with the hair of her head and so on. All these things are going on and Simon the Pharisee sees this and he is horrified by what he sees. He he's disgusted by this action and, and we will see why. And Jesus knows it. He didn't. The Pharisee didn't say anything publicly, but Jesus knows in the heart why he was like that. And Jesus gives a parable. And he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. He says, you know, two people uh, had debts. One was a small debt, 50, um, uh, 50, we'll say $50 for our uh, standards and one owed $500. And Jesus asked, which one do you think was more grateful uh, for? Because neither one had the money to repay the debt. And so the creditor decided to show mercy to the, uh, to both of them. One owed 50, one owed 500. And Jesus asked him, which one do you think would be more grateful? And he says, well, obviously the one that owes 500, obviously this is a, a, a parable representing the gospel where we've sinned against God and we've sinned against the law and we have nothing to repay our debt. And so uh, it's a picture of God forgiving us for our sins. There's nothing we can do to repay our sins. And so, and that's what he's talking about. So, but he talks about this parable. And so I wanted to talk about the two people that are named here. First of all, Simon and the, the, uh, the, woman, who, the woman who came in and did what she did. So the, Simon the Pharisee, well, Simon was, represents the religious world. He was a Pharisee. Um, He was one that uh, had a reputation for outwardly being religious, a holy man, a man of God. They fasted uh, twice a week. They paid tithes of all they possessed. Uh, Everything they did was known for holiness. That's what they were known for. You know, you, you were an unclean person. You couldn't walk on the same side of the street as a Pharisee. So the Pharisee had this reputation being outwardly righteous and so on. But Jesus uh, brings this parable to bear. And he talks about this Pharisee. And I think he's, he's telling us something about this Pharisee. First of all, how ignorant he is. How ignorant he is. First of all, he's ignorant of who he is as a person. He's ignorant of himself. Because Jesus talks about the $50 uh, dollars or, or, um, that he owed, uh, 50 denarii. But he owed a lot more than that. But in his mind. He thought that. uh, He was pretty righteous and. Pretty upright. That. He was not a sinner. That when you look to him. There's not much that he needed. To be forgiven for. That he is outwardly righteous. That God was pleased with him. Pleased with his actions. Pleased with his activities. Pleased with. Who he was as a person, he is Simon, a Pharisee, a reputation for being holy, a reputation for being righteous. You know, oftentimes we you know the Pharisees. That's like a bad word. Just call someone a Pharisee. But if you think about it, we all are are like that. It's very hard for us to see our own sinfulness. We all think by nature that we're pretty good people. If you Witness to someone who is um, not a Christian, that's one of the first things that comes out of their mouth. I'm a good person. I'm decent. I'm moral. I'm, you know, I, I'm, I don't do bad things. I'm respectable. You would never see me doing uh, something um, like cheating on my spouse or killing someone or, or stealing a, a something. You would never see me doing those things. My friends think I'm nice. My family thinks I'm nice and so on. I I don't have too much to be forgiven for. And that's the way we feel like in this world. It's very hard to convince people of their sin. I can see your sin, but I can't see my sin. We have blind spots that we see and that, that we have. We can't see it. Other people can see it, but we cannot see it. And so we're ignorant of ourselves. We're outwardly, we think we're righteous. We think our righteousness is sufficient. But it's really not. Because we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the Pharisee and many other people don't see that. Don't see that they're sinful. But secondly, also, he's ignorant of this and how he compares himself to this woman. He, Simon is, is disgusted that this woman would be there doing what he's doing to Jesus' feet. This, this unclean woman, Simon says within himself, if, 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 if he was a prophet, he would know what type of woman this would be. Either he's a prophet, he can't be a prophet. Because if he was, he, wouldn't, he would not be letting this take place. He would throw this woman out. He would thrust her away. Or if he is a prophet, he's still doing it. He can't be a prophet because he's letting this unclean woman touch him and do these things. After all, Simon looked at this woman with disgust and thought to himself, he is far superior to her. He's far better than her. He's much more righteous than her. This woman is unclean. This woman is destined for hell. This woman, uh, he has nothing to do with this woman. She's unclean. She is... Uh, uh, disgusting in the sense. She's defiled. He wants nothing to do with her. He's much better because Simon's not living that type of life. He's a Pharisee. He's outwardly righteous. He fasts. He pays tithes. He interprets the law. He preaches the law. He teaches the law. His reputation is, is great. He's outwardly righteous. But his thinking is not biblical. His thinking is not biblical because truth be told, Simon had just as much need as for forgiveness as this lady had, as well as this sinful woman have. Now, we all have our own code of ethics and standards that are, are not biblical. We all have this thing of, I'm better than that guy. How often have we said, well, compared, by, compared to that person, I'm looking pretty good, aren't I? We all have our code our own standards, our own ethics in this world in which we live, even in prison, they have a code. You know, if you are like a child molester or something like that, you get treated worse. Murderers and robbers and people done the worst things, that you're worse than a murderer. We all have our own standards. We all look down on people. It's nature, it's natural. What are some of the things that we see? In our world today where we have standards, our own own ethics and our own code of ethics and standards, it could be you think politically. You think if maybe someone's a racist where we say he's a racist. He's going to hell. For some people, racism is the only sin that there is today. Nothing else matters. But this person is. Are racist. Therefore, I have nothing to do with this person or perceived racist. You, you hear today people who say racial things, you see immediately they're fired or they're getting rid of or whatever it is. As long as I keep my mouth shut, I'm good. As long as I don't say it, just don't say it. I can think it. I can keep it in my heart, but I can't say it. If I slip up, then I could be in trouble. Or it could be politically. You're a Republican. Ah, you're dismissed. Can't have anything to do with you. You're a racist. You're a bigot. You are you don't care about the poor. You don't care about the righteous. You're holier than thou with nothing to do with you. God cannot be pleased with Republicans. Or vice versa. You're a Democrat. How can you be a Democrat and be a Christian? How can you be left-leaning and be a Christian? There's no way that you can be a Christian. Therefore, you're dismissed and you're going to hell. What else? There are all types of standards we have, don't we? That we put ourselves above the, of the people. That's not biblical, but we make it biblical. Is our own righteousness. Maybe it's We don't drink and we look down on people who drink or we look down on people who wear certain clothes, look down on people who listen to certain music. We look down, whatever it is, we have our own code of conduct, our own standards, just like Simon had here. Just like he did. And how does that pay out? Jesus says, look at this woman. He says, Simon, you invited me into your house. And you did nothing for me. Look what he says there. He says there that. um, He says, Simon. He says, you gave me no water for my feet. You didn't know my head. You didn't give me a kiss. In other words, your actions, your attitudes, because of your self-righteousness, you don't see a need of me. You don't see that you need me for salvation. Instead, you've treated me very coldly. Very harshly. You didn't even give me the common greeting. Not a kiss. Now that was the, the, the greeting of that time. Or a handshake. No affection. No love. No service. You did none of that for me. You didn't think I was worth that. Even some water for my feet. My feet are, are dusty. They are um, tired. Something just to accommodate me. And so on. It's interesting that people who are often self-righteous, people who don't think they have sins to be forgiven, this is the way we treat God. This is the exact way we treat Him. We might give Him some time, maybe an hour for church, or or maybe just uh, a, a few minutes here and there. But the truth be told, we treat Jesus the same way. The world does. The world doesn't think they need Jesus. They're getting along fine without him. They have their own code of conduct, their own morality, and so on. And it tells in the way that they treat Jesus. They don't need him. Sure, they think he's a prophet. Uh, Maybe we pray for him when we need something. But to love him, to follow him, to serve him, to worship him, we don't think. We need him. Instead, and that leads to what? No compassion, no gratitude. That's what's missing in our world. No compassion, no gratitude. Social media, if you go and you see when we love to see when people fall, it just brings delight to us. To read the comments, to read what people write, to read what people say. To see how we immediately dismiss people and cast people off this is the world we live in. You see people with phone cameras and they, they record people who who do bad things and they put it out and we laugh and we joke and we think it's funny and these things, but there's no compassion, no grace, no mercy in our country. And it's because we don't know the grace and the mercy and the compassion of God. You know, I, I'm a, I, uh, a baseball fan and one of the guys I've always admired is Dusty Baker. He's I've always liked him. Um, uh, you know, he's manager for the Houston Astros. Well, the Houston Astros got caught in this huge cheating scandal uh, about what three or, f- or four years ago. I mean, it was it was bad. And so every, everywhere they went, they were getting booed and getting just 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 I mean, you know, Jose Altuve, the, the, I guess one of the main characters, he would just get. I mean, everywhere he go, he was calling cheater and so on. They were interviewing Dusty Baker about it. He, and Dusty said, you know, he says, how many of those people that are booing and, and, and cheating, I mean, how many of those people are booing and, and saying how bad the Houston Nationals are, are engaged in cheating themselves? How, how often, what, what are they doing? Because oftentimes we are engaged in the same thing, even in baseball. People, it is well known that you cheat. You try to steal signs. You're at second base. You try to uh, uh, see what the bad is doing. That's fine. That's part of the game. But I guess Houston Nationals are using electronic things. And that right there, that's cheating. You cross the line. That's what we say. You've crossed the line on that one. Who says that? Well, we say that. Those are the laws that we make. Cheating is cheating no matter what. But if we cheat a little bit, that's fine. Don't, don't do too much. It's like a husband and wife when they when they have fight. Right. Can't believe you said that to me. I only said one curse word. You said five. <laughs> we always are doing that. We always um, have our own standards, our own standards of laws, our own right rules of right and wrong. As we see here, and it shows in the way that we treat Christ in the way that we treat his people. There's no gratitude. That's what he's saying. Simon, you have no gratitude, no love, no affection for me. You don't think you need me. Therefore, it comes out. That's why people don't go to church. That's why people don't uh, worship. That's why they don't serve. That's why when you ask people, well, how come you're not here? Well, you know, I have this to do and that to do and so on. The reason why is because they don't have any true love or gratitude for Christ. When you love something, you do it. You do it. You like to be in that person's presence. You enjoy being in that person's presence. Someone doesn't have to. Ask. Someone maybe you've seen someone and said, "Hey, you haven't called me in a while. You haven't talked to me." What do you say? Well, yeah, I've been busy. I got work to do. I have this to do, and so on. As you, afterwards, you go home and you enjoy your time sitting on your couch. You don't really want to be in their presence. The things that we like to do, we do. And that's exactly what uh, is happening here. Simon had no regard for Jesus, no regard for him. No love, no gratitude. Why? Because he's not a sinner. He and Jesus are equals. He just invited him over for a meal. There's a coldness there. There's a harshness there. There's no gratitude, there's no love, no affection, and so on. That's one of the complaints from Christianity It's probably legitimate that there are many people are orthodox, but there's no love. Paul said, if we don't have love, we have nothing. We might know the Bible from cover to cover. We might be Calvinists. We might believe in the five points of Calvinism. We might be reformed and all these things. But if there's no love, compassion, mercy, Paul says we've got nothing in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is everything. And that love is from the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit here. We can keep rules. We can keep regulations. We can do the right thing. We can uh, 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 be uh, punctual and do all these things. But if it's not done without a gratitude and love for Christ, then it's nothing. I was counseling uh, a Jamaican guy once and he was talking about his uh, his wife and he was like, use uses, accent, hey, man, when she cooks, she doesn't cook with any love, man. There's no love in the food. She just throws the food out there, man. I, just, I had to do that, but uh, <laughs> I was trying not to laugh as he told me that. But, but he was saying that she's not cooking. It's not done from the heart. It's done without affection. We like things to be done with love. When you go get some customer service, you want nice customer service, right? You want a smile. You want something. Suppose someone just throws the food at you. Here you go. It's there. What is that? No, you want some love and so on, some affection. You know, you want, uh, you know, my wife and I, we just celebrated our anniversary. You know, I, I gathered some nice things. Suppose I didn't get anything. or Suppose I just said, hey, you know what? Here's some flowers I got out of the garden. Here you go. Take it. No, you want it done from the heart. You want it done with joy, with happiness. That's what Christ wants. Well, that's Simon the Pharisee. That's We see the second one is the woman. We don't know her name. We have no idea. She just called the sinner. That's it. The sinful woman. Imagine that. The sinful woman. That's all that she's named. She's a sinner. That's what um, it says there. And Luke says it there in um, verse 37. Behold a woman in the city who was a sinner. That's, that's all that's there. And Simon refers to her as a sinner. We don't know her name. Some thought it was Mary Magdalene, but most commentators uh, do not believe that. But who was this woman? She was a sinner. And it says there that she was weeping, that she was impacted by the ministry of Jesus at one point. It says they stood at his feet behind him weeping. She found that that Jesus is at the table in the Pharisee's house. Now imagine that. Here she is. She knows she's not welcome there. A Pharisee's house. Pharisees think this woman is unclean. But her love for Christ drove her. She was condemned over her sins. The Holy Spirit convicted her over her sins. She saw her sins for what they were. She immediately saw the guilt of her sins and the amount of her sins. And that's part of Christianity is for the first time we get to see ourselves for who we are. That's what's missing in the world. We don't see our own sins. But when we become a Christian, we see that we are a sinner and God does that. The Holy Spirit begins to tear away the self-righteousness and show us who we truly are and what we truly are. And he says there that we're a sinner. And that's what really offend some people to say that. But this woman saw it. And because of that, she begins to operate. It says that she bought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. She had to do something for Christ. She had to do something to show her love for Christ. Because Christ had forgiven her for her sins. Christ says that she had 500. In other words, that means there was a lot of sins. And she was Very compassionate. Christ was very compassionate towards her. It says there that she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and anoint them with fragrant oil. She was in her own way serving and worshiping God. She had affection for God. Saul, excuse me, Saul, Simon would not uh, even give Jesus a kiss. Here, this woman would not stop kissing his feet. Simon gave her no uh, Simon gave Jesus no uh, oil for his head. Here, this woman is anointing Jesus' feet. As you see the love and the affection that she had for Jesus. Why? Because of what Jesus did for her. That's what Christianity really is, is that we do things why, out of gratitude for what God has done for us. Why can't people forgive? Perhaps it's because they've never been forgiven. Why can't people love? Perhaps because it's, They've never been loved. But when you've been loved by God, when the Holy Spirit has been shed abroad in your heart, then you can begin to love God and you can begin to love his people. That's what Christianity is, is I'm grateful and thankful. I had nothing, nothing to repay for my sins, that Jesus forgives us for our sins, that he saves us. He redeems us. And because of that, that he chose us. That God in his sovereign grace, he chose us when we weren't looking for him. That is the benefit. That is grace. That is mercy. That is the gratitude of God. And that gratitude leads for us what? To love Jesus. To want to be in his presence. To want to serve him. To want to worship him. To want to honor him. To have more love for him. That's what Christianity is about. It's about love, love for God, love for his people. Why? Because he loved us before we loved him. And because he He loved us, now we go out and love him and love others. That's what Christianity is about. It's because I've experienced this love. Now I can love. That's why people say, I can't forgive. Well, Jesus says, "If if you can't forgive, then you've never been forgiven. If you can't love, then you've never been loved. You know, during Thanksgiving, we all get together on Thanksgiving and we say, oh, yeah, it's a day of thanks. We give thanks. And we say, yeah, we're thankful. But in the meantime, we're angry at this person, having forgiven this person, angry about our job, angry about what's going on in the world. But Christianity takes away that anger, takes away that shit and realize that. We have nothing that we were all sinful, that we all have a great debt, that we deserve to be in hell, that the wrath of God abides on us. But Christ, in his great mercy, has forgiven us, has redeemed us, has loved us. That's what Christianity is about. And then he said he tells this woman, your sins are forgiven you. Go in peace. It's one of the greatest things you can hear. Your sins are forgiven. David says in Psalm 32, blessed is a man whose sins are forgiven, whose transgressions are covered. Simon would say, what have no sins to be forgiven? But when we understand that we sin in word, thought and deed every day, that Christ has forgiven us, that think of this woman. She had a reputation of sin, a reputation of, of wickedness, a reputation of being a prostitute, of being unclean. Everybody knew that. Everyone had given up on her except Christ. Christ did not. And that's what confounds the world is that Jesus would save someone like that. If you would put those two together and see their lives, 100% would say, definitely Simon the Pharisee is a believer and this woman is... Is, is cast out. But it's the opposite. Because Jesus shows his great grace, his magnifying grace. Sins are forgiven. That's the greatest blessing that we can receive. That our sins are forgiven. That we have peace with God. That our sins, which are many, are forgiven. That they are cast as far as the east is from the west. When we go through problems and hardships and Trials and tribulations. Remember how much God loves us. He forgave us for our sins. Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you. In my father's house of many mansions. We have not seen the other side yet. All we see is this side. All we see is the struggle and the pain and so on. But there's another side that is waiting for us. There is a place that Jesus has reserved for us. He went before us so that we might also Go there as well. He says, your faith has saved you. Do you have faith? Are your sins forgiven? Have you received the great gift that Christ has offered? This great blessing that Jesus has given us. If I were to tell tell you that they're, they're giving away free money down there, I think we all would be there to get some free money. Well, Jesus is offering us eternal life for free. If you receive it by faith. Well, what does this have to do with Memorial Day? Well, part of being thankful is that soldiers have given their lives in, for our freedom and democracy around the world, is that sense of gratitude, is to be good Americans, is to realize to, to enjoy the things that we do, to enjoy the democratic process, to vote, and so on. But it's the same in the kingdom of heaven. As we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, it's the same thing. It's a memorial. It's to remember what Jesus did for us. That Jesus died for us. That he gave up his life so that we might have eternal life. So that we might be free. So that we might have a house in heaven. That we might be in his presence forever. And that's what should stir us. That's what Should enable us to have gratitude, to be more loving, more caring, to be more thoughtful, to be more like this woman. What can we do more for God? What can we do for Jesus? We have to have this type of love, this love that is divine love. It's a vertical love. We can't do it if God hasn't loved us first and we have not received this gift. We can't do it. But if we receive this gift then we can go out and do the same thing. One time I was stranded far away and someone picked me up out of their kindness and mercy. I said, can I give you some money? Can I do something? He said, no, just do it for someone else. Isn't that Christianity really? Do it for someone else. Show the mercy, love, and compassion that Christ shows. Let us not be like the world. Let us not be like the world, cold unforgiving, bitter. Christ has called us to be like this woman, to humble ourselves. We are servants of Christ, whatever he asks us to do. No task is too menial. No position is too low. David says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Whatever God asks us to do, let us do it with vigor, with joy, with happiness. Why? Because we can never repay him. He paid a debt that we owed. He paid it at Calvary's cross and he saved us out of his goodness and his mercy. It's too much to believe if you think about it, what he did for us. That's what this woman was so taken that someone loved me that much. I was a prostitute. No one everyone gave up on me. Maybe that's your testimony. People gave up on you in life. People thought you were a rebel, but God got a hold to you and saved you. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Let not our sins keep us from Christ. Let our sins drive us to Christ. He's the one that can deal with our sins. He's the one that can save us. He's the one that can heal us. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we we thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you, Lord, for your gratitude, um, your love that you've given for us. Help us to be more thankful. Help us to be not a people that complain and murmur, but help us to reflect and meditate on what you've done for us. And Lord, help us to love you more. Help us to seek to be in your presence more. Help us to spend more time serving you and worshiping you. And help us to share the good news to a world that needs it. Help help us to share the love of Christ so that they might experience that love as well. Thank you and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.